It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCW in Sitka. Today is Monday, May 3rd. I'm Meredith Reddick with Raven News. Angoon reported its first case of the coronavirus in six months on Thursday. The southeast Alaska town of around 500 people hasn't reported a new case since last October. According to a press release from the city of Angoon, contact tracing is underway and 60 coronavirus tests are awaiting results. The city is asking anyone with symptoms to call the local clinic and get tested. So far, only one person has tested positive. Angoon schools moved to online learning Friday morning. The Angoon Community Association, Angoon's tribal government, has closed its doors to the public, and the local gas station is only accepting credit and debit cards. The store is taking email orders, and the city offices remain open to the public, but masks are required. Data from the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium shows that as of April 23rd, just over 240 Angoon residents are fully vaccinated. A press release from the governor's office in early April put Angoon's vaccination rate at 76 percent. One of Wrangell's two fish processors will remain closed for a second year in a row. As KSTK's Sage Smiley reports, Seattle-based Trident Seafood cites a dismal salmon forecast for its decision. Chum and pink salmon returns to southeast Alaska over the last few years have crumpled, and the predictions for the coming season aren't especially heartening. Oh, it's been a real disaster for around here. Wrangle commercial fisherman Gig Decker. My main income has been <clears throat> the dogs or the chum salmon, and uh, the runs just haven't been coming back. They don't know if that's because of the blob or warming or, or what it is, but the biologists don't seem to have a lot of uh, optimism about it. Citing the poor returns, one of Wrangell's two fish processing plants stayed shuttered and silent last summer. And the Royal Blue Trident plant in Reliance Harbor is going to stay closed for a second year. Trident spokesperson Stephanie Moreland wrote in a statement that, quote, We hope to see a return to higher abundance and opportunity to support running the facility in the future. Trident has had a presence in Wrangell since 2009, when it bought out the bankrupt Wrangell Seafoods Company. The seafood giant operates about a dozen other plants throughout Alaska, including in Petersburg and Ketchikan. Southeast Chum salmon returns for 2021 are projected to be some of the lowest in the last 25 years. Pink salmon look a bit rosier. They're projected to swim back to southeast this year in average numbers. Decker, the Wrangell fisherman, says he understands that Trident can't justify the cost of operating a plant if the fish aren't there, but it complicates the fishing season to have the Wrangell plant closed. And of course, it was really convenient for me, not just that they bought my fish, but there was a lot of other services like uh, machining and, and uh, moving gear and equipment. And so it, it, uh, it's been a real drag for me, not, not having uh, a cabin open. Wrangell's other, smaller processing plant, Sea Level Seafoods, will operate this year, although it's getting a later start than usual. Its Oregon-based parent company, Pacific Seafood, said in a statement that the Wrangell plant didn't operate during March's halibut opening because of complications staffing the facility due to COVID-19. It pushed back its opening date until May 1st. That's left Wrangell fishermen like Alan Reeves feeling desperate after last year's low halibut prices. The wholesale market was poor in 2020, with hotels and restaurants buying a lot less of everything, including seafood. I lost 40000 on it last year at least, and it's like, it's not something you play with when you got some kind of investment that you got 
and my I mean I got family that go out with me and everything else and they rely on it. Reeve spent about a decade on Wrangell's Port Commission and knows the importance of fisheries business taxes to the island's local government. But he also says he couldn't afford to wait for a Wrangell processor to come online. So my fish tax, first time since 1981, commercial fishing, I've only sold one time out of town. So the jobs and the tax went to another town this year. Last year's fish tax payments haven't been calculated yet, so it's not clear what the financial impact of 2020's poor returns and single operating plant will be. But the $80,000 drop between 2018 and 2019's payments doesn't bode well for the revenue Wrangell's borough government expects to receive for last year's lower fish returns. Wrangell officials say it's hard to determine the exact effects of a shuttered plant. There won't be the large-scale utilities payments from the plant. Fish taxes paid out to the borough will probably be lower. And there is also the simple lack of processing workers living, eating, and working in the community. Last year, Trident's empty bunkhouses were rented out as isolation sites by the city government at the onset of the pandemic, but were never used. The Alaska Crossings Wilderness Behavioral Therapy Program also housed out-of-town guides in Trident's bunkhouses immediately after they arrived earlier this spring. Decker says he's holding out hope that there might be a fishy Hail Mary this season, even though Wrangell's Trident plant won't be open. I've seen things like this before. I've had years where I, 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 I did tremendously well after everyone thought it was going to be a disaster. So that's fishing. Sea Level Seafoods says they're working on icing and baiting boats. They're typically up and running through the end of October. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. More than 80 seismic monitoring stations went dark in Alaska Friday as a national project comes to an end. But as Claire Strempel reports for Alaska's Energy Desk, the work leaves behind a more robust earthquake monitoring system than ever before. If you ask Alaska Earthquake Center Director Michael West, he'll tell you that what matters isn't how many seismic stations the state is losing, but how many it gained. More than 100 of those are staying behind. They have already become part of our long-term earthquake and volcano and tsunami monitoring infrastructure. The seismic stations are a part of the U.S. Array, a multi-million dollar national research project. It spanned nearly two decades and the entire continent. The goal was to monitor seismic activity and better understand the ground under our feet. Transportable seismic stations started on the West Coast and moved east, then doubled back to their last stop, Alaska. Think of it like a kid's science fair project or something. You go out, you do an experiment, you collect some data, and then you pack up, go home, and move on to something else. Somebody came along and did a really cool $50 million short-term seismic experiment. Um, But that plan always had in it that at the end of the project, the lights would be turned off, and you know, and the project would be over. Except more than half of the equipment that should go home is staying in Alaska. That's due to a big push from the scientific community and the state's federal delegation. West says to think of it as the station's just getting thinned out a little bit. He says the system brought earthquake monitoring and recording capabilities to huge swaths of the state where very little had existed before filling in the details of what was once a sketchy understanding of certain regions. I can remember discussions a decade ago 
where, you know, well-intentioned engineers thought, oh, they'll never be able to pull this off. This is too big in scale. This is too grandiose. But they did. And now it's over. Casey Adderhold is a researcher for one of the national research groups responsible for the project. She says taking dozens of far-flung research stations in some of the most remote parts of the continent offline is actually pretty simple. Basically, like calling up your cell phone provider and saying, I would like to cancel my line. (laughs) They'll just stop transmitting. Later this summer, scientists will visit the sites and pick up the equipment. Adderhold says because of the pandemic, they even got an extra year of data. While the project is now over, the legacy of the U.S. array in Alaska is a more robust earthquake monitoring system. It also means years of data whose impacts have only begun to rumble through the scientific community. Governor Mike Dunleavy on Friday signed the bill extending the state's COVID-19 disaster declaration into law. The bill allows some Alaskans to receive up to $9 million more in food aid for April than what they would normally receive. But after signing the bill, Dunleavy ended the disaster declaration. State Health and Social Services Commissioner Adam Crum declared a more limited public health emergency under powers granted by the newly signed law. Crum says the disaster declaration has become stigmatized. The disaster declaration became a bad word. And this, uh, and this became something to where people automatically will have a visceral response to it. And when we really evaluated where we are at, is this the same situation we were in in November, December? And it absolutely is not. The law retroactively ratifies disaster extensions Dunleavy issued during the fall and winter. And it retroactively extended the disaster from mid-February through Friday. The new public health emergency gives legal support for the state to continue to receive funding from the federal government, including for the food aid provided to households in need. It also protects health care providers and state workers from legal liability from damages suffered by clients contracting COVID-19. Crum says ending the disaster declaration will give Alaskans a, quote, mental break. And he says the new law gives the state the tools it needs to maintain its public health response. Just to continue this level of protection, while at the same time letting Alaskans, letting the tourists, letting the state know that we are in a recovery phase. We're going to continue to do this, but we're still going to put forward our health recommendations. We're still going to make sure that the necessary tools to continue the response are available. Crum also said the state met a federal threshold required for Alaskans to accept pandemic food aid. The end-of-month deadline to receive this month's benefits served as motivation for lawmakers to resolve their differences over the legislation. The emergency will remain in effect until Crum rescinds it or the federal public health emergency ends. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News. This is